Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. This is Talk Wrestling on TalkSport 2. This is Talk Wrestling, and this is the Nature Boy Ric Flair Live. Woo! You're listening to Talk Wrestling. This is Talk Sports 2, and specifically the Talk Wrestling podcast on the Fight Night feed from TalkSport. Thank you so much for getting involved, for listening, and for all those people who have been going out and giving us a rating and a review. It really helps more people find the show. Another brilliant edition of the Talk Wrestling Podcast coming up with me, Will Gavin, and TalkSport Wrestling Czar Alex McCarthy. We're going to be speaking with the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Nick Aldis. We're going to be looking back at AEW Double or Nothing and a big interview with a superstar from NXT all on the way for you here on the Talk Wrestling Podcast. I I realized I just did that to give you a tease ahead that we had a big NXT superstar coming on and then I was going to immediately tell you who it was anyway. So it was a tease for all of 30 seconds. Thank you for downloading the Talk Wrestling Podcast in your Fight Night feed. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review. It really does help more people find the show. And we're going to kick things off with aforementioned NXT superstar. A little bit more of a tease, because I'm first of all going to let you know that Steph Chase, Miss Dynamite herself, will be joining us for a big AEW Double or Nothing review. Got Nick Aldis coming up. But first, you want to know her as Ty Valkyrie. You now know her as Frankie Monet. Our very own Alex McCarthy caught up with the brand new NXT superstar this past week. How are you How doing, are you? Frankie? I'm doing amazing, fabulously over here in Orlando, Florida. I'm very excited to be spending this morning speaking with you. Delightful. Uh, so awesome. I mean, like the last time I had a chance to speak to you even briefly was obviously during your historic impact run uh you know being the champion that you were there for such a grand period of time and you yeah. were studying doing your own clothing brand and all of this great stuff and um, have you been able to carry that on alongside your nxt endeavors? yes i have uh been doing it still right now loca is actually um we got a presley that's oh <laughs> running and we got to run it. Um, no, I've been doing Loka still. We have our summer launch that's going to be coming up very shortly that I've been working with uh, 
you know, on for the last couple of months. This was something obviously that I started during the pandemic when uh, a lot of my work was just taken away from me unexpectedly, just like it was for the entire planet. Mm. Uh, so I'm happy to continue to be doing it. I'm happy that everyone has continued to support it and, and just seen it grow as it has. We just had our first year anniversary. Loka turned one. Congrats. Uh, it's just been, I mean, that's a kind of a very important historical mark for a new you know small business that i literally started out of my kitchen during the pandemic so i'm very happy to continue have it grow and hopefully can you have it grow indefinitely and you know you never know maybe i'll be in bloomingdale's one day <laughs> <laughs> the multi-talented frankie monet there you have it everyone check out loka if you haven't done already but uh, let's talk wrestling too i'd wanted to see you under the WWE umbrella for such a long time. You never know if it's going to happen. How did it finally happen, Frankie? Talk us through it. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm sure you know this has been over 10 years, 11 years of of working my butt off, literally, uh, <laughs> and going through several different companies and countries. And really, I just always knew that this was the end-all, be-all. As much as people can say whatever they want, listen, the WWE is the WWE. It is the number one sports entertainment company in the entire world. It is where you want to be. It is where the lights are the brightest. It is where, you know, you are going to see so many more people and faces and get to be, you know, the exposure and the talent is just unbelievable so I knew that this was where it was meant to be and I you know is it is it not like is this time to hang it up is it time to push harder like you know especially in 2020 there were so many moments personally for me where I was just kind of didn't know what was going to happen next you know I'm a human being just like everybody else with insecurities and I love professional wrestling and sports entertainment so much that like I just couldn't let this fire that had been lit in me so many so many years ago just kind of die without trying to get to the be all end all which is the wwe and it, you know conversations started and i am so happy to be there i have had i feel like i'm living like i always compare it to charlie the chocolate factory <laughs> when you golden ticket <laughs> like i the first day i went to the performance center i was just like what is my life? Like, this is unreal. And like all the coaches and getting to work with so many people with Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Sarah Amato uh, for the women's division, and just the amount of talent and creativity that they're allowing me to, to be immersed in. And, and also just like, do they just believe in, in each and every one of us? And it's unreal to finally be in this position where I feel like Frankie Monet can be seen for who she is and understood and be on the platform she deserves to be on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the thing, right? Like I remember being super happy when John made his way back to WWE. Uh, that was like a big Twitter boom when that news was, was kind of broken. For those who don't know, of course, John Morrison being your, yes. your husband. Yeah, he's, uh, Sir, he's Sir Johnny Drip Drip. Yeah. Sir Johnny Drip of course. Um, you know, it, it, did that kind of maybe open the door as well? Do you think for you that where um, uh, I actually, I you know, a lot of people love to just assume that because I'm married to somebody in the business that that helps me get somewhere. And listen, I earned this spot. Mm. Yes, John has been there to be supportive as a husband, as a friend, as someone I train with, who who is my biggest cheerleader. But ultimately, it comes down to 
all the hard work that I did. You know, it, just because you're married to someone doesn't get, mean you get a job. That's For not sure. how the real world works. Like, and I love, <laughs> I know that everyone likes to create these kind of like, I call it like fan fiction about how things happen. But, yeah. you know, obviously having him believe in me and push me to really, really go after this was a huge, huge thing. And having him there and being reunited, working together again. And, you know, we worked in Lucha Underground. We worked in AAA together first, Lucha Underground, then Impact. And now being on this platform, which is WWE together, is just a dream come true. Yeah. And, and to be clear, that's kind of what I meant. Like he would kind of encourage yeah, exactly. and push you rather yeah. than open a door, um, you know, because it's awesome. We've seen you two together where you're underground and impacts and stuff. So it's great that you're under the same umbrella now. Um, you know, when you come into NXT, the thing that I'm thinking is like already in the world, people talk about NXT as the greatest women's division. Right now, I'm going to say like maybe a forbidden name. Taya Valkyrie, I was very excited about, right? <laughs> like that that name to me carries a lot of worth, right? You've built it up. Um, so when you come in, I know you've said this before that you picked the name Frankie Monet. Um, just talk me through that. Was there any hesitance in kind of like, yeah, you know, I, I built something big with that name and why Frankie Monet? Is there any significant meanings behind each name? Well, Taya Valkyrie obviously was my name for the, all of my career since day one. That has been my name that has uh, been with me. She has given me the life that I have now. She is how I met John. She is how I've traveled the world. She is how I ended up champion in multiple companies. She is the reason I, I am Frankie Monet today. Mm. So when it came down to it, of course, you know, I am like, well, Taya just means so much to me. But also there's a part of me that was like ready for this type of evolution. Sure. And being almost like the idea of being reborn into this kind of new character, even though Frankie has a lot of similarities to who Taya is and was. Like it's it's a continual evolution. I feel as, as an artist, as an entertainer, that's so important. You never want to feel like you're going like, you know, in a straight line, it has to have, uh, you know, hills and valleys and ups and downs. And I feel like this was just a natural step for me to take in my career. And I was really excited to, you know, creatively be consulted and like ask what I thought about different names and, and all this stuff. And obviously Monet comes up from the French artist because I consider myself an artist mm -hmm. uh, and my family is from Europe and my, my dad's from Switzerland. So we used to always go to a lot of art museums in Europe when we traveled as a kid. So that was Very kind cool. of like where that came from. Um, Frankie, I've always just really liked the name. I've always just really liked those gender neutral names. Mm -hmm. I think it's fun. I think it's spunky. I think it sounds like a I am a pop icon, okay? Like, <laughs> I am like really different. And I just, that is me at the core. Me, uh, you know, who is Kira at the core is someone who is different and who has always pushed the limits of creativity and visual art and presentation and performance art and everything. And I just wanted to be different. And I want people to be like, what is that? Why? I don't understand the more people talk about it, the more it excites me and the more it makes me want to do crazier and more amazing things. So let them talk. Frankie Monet is here to stay. And uh, I'm just really excited to see and have you guys all experience who Frankie Monet is and learn about her just like I am. Well, that's super interesting to me, right? Because uh, as we saw from the jump, I mean, I was sold as soon as the dog was on TV. I'm a dog guy. Um, <laughs> but like the... <laughs> The original kind of, you know, teases and vignettes, um, you know, all of that awesome stuff and, and what you wanted Frankie Monet to be. How awesome has it been collaborating with the guys at NXT and, and bringing it to life? Oh, it was it was super, super fun, especially because I had there's so many familiar faces there. I think that was one of the, you know, anytime you start a new job, you're like, oh, my gosh, am I going to mm -hmm. 
everybody. Do I know people here? Am I the new girl that's going to be, you know, judged or something? But it was not like that at all. Like there were so many people that I knew um, from all these past lives, as I could say, um, in professional wrestling that are there and, and collaborating with with Triple H, with Road Dog, um, you know, with all the writers and and all the creative team as to who Frankie would be, and as well as you know everyone behind the scenes like JB, uh, Jimmy, who are the ones who are you know making those vignettes happen. Um, it was just such a fun process, and everyone was just asking me tons of questions, and I think that I'm just very, I've been you know evolving from Taya into Frankie for so long that like I just know who she is. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing in as a wrestler is to know who you are. And when you know who you are, you can really put out exactly who you think or what you think represents that character or that persona. And I think with Frankie, I just knew what I wanted to do with her and how I wanted her to evolve into, you know, the small dog carrying badass that you see see before you. And I'm obviously a huge fan of like popular culture and cinema and um, performance and things. So there's all these kind of little tidbits that I took from movies and uh, singers that I really enjoy and moments in popular culture that really helped me have them understand who I thought Frankie was. And I am, I'm glad that it has come out the way and that it has. And I just can't wait to continue doing that. You know? Yeah. I'll tell you what was cool as well was doing the glam slam and Beth Phoenix calling it. All right. <laughs> Wink after that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely adore Beth Phoenix. I think she is one of the most amazing people inside and outside the ring. So to have her there, to have her support, to have her literally watching me, I'm like, please, please approve of this, you know? <laughs> um, was it was a very amazing moment um, on a very amazing and important night. Now, I have said this right earlier in, in the chat that NXT arguably has the best women's division in the world. A lot of people could make that argument. But I'll say it for you. You're a big deal, right? When WWE sign you, a lot of people are thinking, oh, well, now where, where's it going to be? It's been NXT, which is great. Was it? Was that always a discussion? Always going to be NXT? It was always going to be NXT. NXT to me, a lot of people try to put it in a box or compare it to what... Uh, you know, it was but developmental was beforehand NXT right. on the USA Network. Okay, NXT is on the same channel as Raw on a Tuesday. Like this, these are the best athletes in the world. These are some of the top wrestlers from other companies, from indies, from other countries that are coming in one place, and that's what NXT is. Yeah. And I am so proud to be on the Black and Gold brand and be there with these people that are going to push me creatively are going to push me a performance push sorry push my performance and really test me Mm. you know what that's what's fun about this you know like that's why I'm excited about these first time matchups there are so many women that I've been watching for a very long time I've seen them evolve grow um and you know win championships and do all this crazy stuff and I can't wait to be put in the mix and here we are you know last week I officially made my in-ring debut in NXT and so let's get started <laughs> and it was great it was great what you did with Cora Jade I mean and we've seen little teasers here and there though like Io Shirai maybe down the road and things like that you know Frankie Monet is kind of cross paths with. Uh, I mean, this is such a wide ranging question because the talent is so damn deep in NXT, but you got to tell me, man, who are you so excited to be working with? Want to sink your teeth into? Um, I mean, obviously I'm going to go straight to the top. Mm. Uh, I think Raquel, I've watched her grow over the last few years 
explaining leaps and bounds. And I just think that she's a phenomenal performer and uh, athlete. And I'm as champion, you know, I'm going to go straight for that. You know that I would love to wrestle her. I've never wrestled her before. Mm. And there's people, you know, there's the tag cha- uh, titles now for the women. And Ooh. I mean, I have, might have to have some tryouts to see who my tag partner would be, yeah. but there's, you know, there's the immense pool of talent and someone like Io Shirai, for example, I have wrestled her once before in Japan um, for stardom, about five years ago, we have come a long way since then. So I would love to revisit that. And, you know, I've never wrestled Shotzi Blackheart one-on-one. I've never wrestled Kenneth Ray one-on-one. I've, you know, wow. it's on ember moon everybody like there's just so much talent there and so many people for me to play with and i'm can't wait <laughs> you heard it here first frankie Monet, the prize fighter that's what she is <laughs> she's going for the gold <laughs> you can't tell me to pick one i want them all <laughs> <laughs> i can't wait to see what you're doing frankie as i said i, I mean i've been a big fan for a long time uh, through your journey and so excited to see you now on on the grandest stage right the biggest stage being wwe it's where, you, it's where you deserve to be so glad to see thank you thank you and i'm so happy to be here and you know and the wwe universe some of them, some of them might not know me but guess what they're gonna get to know me <laughs> they sure as hell will frankie Monet, thank you so much for joining talk wrestling today of course thank you the brilliant Frankie Monet joining us on the Talk Wrestling Podcast. Before we get to our review of Stadium Stampede, of that brilliant triple threat, and everything else, AW Double or Nothing, let's look forward to the next NWA pay-per-view. When our shadows fall coming up this weekend, where Nick Aldis will be going up against Trevor Murdoch for the NWA World Heavyweight title, and Alice McCarthy caught up with Nick this past week. Nick Aldis Britain's own. There you go, TalkSport listeners. Be proud. Uh, Nick, how are you, my man? I'm good, Alex. I'm, I'm a little tired. Uh, we spent the weekend in Virginia for Memorial Day, and we, we pulled an all-nighter to make it back because I have a, a few um, media interviews today in, in preparation for the pay-per-view. So I'm running on fumes, but I was on time, just to, just to make you aware. I was actually <laughs> a minute early. You know, I hate to rub it in, but well, I did have to wait for a, a good 45 seconds. <laughs> Listen, for me, I'm improving then, Nick. Under, under yes. your guise, I'm becoming a better timekeeper. Um, well, the only way is up, so there you go. <laughs> but you're being the, being the champ, my friend. That's what you do, right? You make those media obligations. You do you're all make, those things. Right, and, which, and, this, and that feeds in exactly into my point. Uh, I, I'm very curious. I know that you've got Trevor scheduled for immediately after me. I, I'm, I'm very curious to see if he shows up on time and if he's presentable and if he, uh, he gives a good interview because, you know, that's one of the things I've been talking about. Like Everybody says they want to be world champion, but do they want to pull an all-nighter drive through the night because they need to be in the correct environment to be able to make all their media obligations, right? Yeah. That's, that's just a perfect example of what, what it really takes. I'm glad that you've just brought that up because that's some of the promos that I've really enjoyed in the run up to this, where you have, you know, you, obviously that's one of the best things about Nick Aldis. You are always carrying yourself like a champion. Can Trevor Murdoch be that guy to carry NWA, be the face of NWA? Obviously, uh, Nick Aldis doesn't believe so because you are the guy. But um, when you look at Trevor Murdoch, right, Um if, if you just take a step back and look at the man overall, what do you see as a challenger and what do you see in what he could be to what he is? Well, look, let me, let me, let me start by saying this. Uh, you can go back and, and listen to anything I've ever said on NWA power with regards to Mr. Murdoch. And you will never hear me 
say a word about his abilities as a wrestler. He is between the ropes. He is absolutely world-class. No two ways about it. He was trained by Harley Race. He spent six months in the Noah Dojo. You know, he's paid his dues. And he, his uh, athleticism, his skill, his endurance, uh, it, 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 um, it doesn't fit the packaging. Let's say that. And I'm, I've, I've never in any way uh, equated a, a quality of a physique to athletic ability. Right. So let's just, let's just put that out there. What I'm talking about is being a representative of a brand being a representative that can be just as comfortable in a boardroom as the weight room, you know, and that's, that's a requirement in the modern era. And I don't think there's anyone more suited to it than me. And ultimately I want to be the world champion. So I have to continue to try to evolve and, and uh, add more strings to my bow as it were to continue to, to sort of raise the, raise the bar in all those other areas. Um, so, you know, anything I've said about Trevor is really just about making sure that he really understands what he's getting himself into. You know, it's more than just winning a wrestling match. He's, he's got to be prepared to carry the water for the company. Mm-hmm. Makes all the sense of the world to me, my friend. And like I said, you have done that tremendously well for NWA since uh, particularly as well. We, we've just come back with power. It's been good stuff. Uh, this Saturday, right, June 6th, when our shadows fall, we know you will defend the title against Trevor Murdoch. Is this a big week of Power TV where the rest of the card kind of fills out that people should be checking out? Yeah, this week you're going to see uh, some, I believe that you're going to see some exclusive sit down with uh, Billy Corgan, Ooh. where he's going to sort of lay out um, some of the rest of the pay-per-view. And I believe he's going to address uh, our ongoing situation on the show. Um, but yeah, uh, I think you'll, yeah, the, the card obviously will, will fill out this week. Uh, it's been finalized. So it's just a case of, uh, of them putting it out. Um, but it's, um, look, it, it's, it's, uh, I, there's one match in particular, uh, that I think is, is going to sort of, um, command a lot of the oxygen compared to, you know, com- in, in, alongside Trevor's and my match. But uh, yeah, look, the NWA roster is starting to solidify and we're starting to see, um, you know, certain guys really kind of become cornerstones for the company. Uh, but there's also, there's still, there's still plenty of wiggle room for, for new faces and, and guys who want to prove themselves and perhaps haven't had the platform to do so. So you're going to see some of that as well. Certainly uh, at, not only at the pay-per-view, but, but in the, in the weeks following. Yeah. And, and listen, since you come back, I mentioned that earlier, you know, back for attack was a great show as well. Um, you know, you defended against Aaron Stevens, uh, Damien Sandow to those who maybe aren't aware of his work prior with WWE. Trevor Murdoch was on that card beating Chris Adonis as well, formerly known as Chris Masters. Camille, big victory over Thunder Rosa as well. Like there was a lot going on there. How pleased have you been with NWA since it came back? Because it feels like to me, just um, as an observer and obviously someone who spends too much time on Twitter with my stupid job, um, but it seems like it's getting rave reviews. Seems like people are enjoying it. Yeah, um, I'm pleased with uh, with the fact that we, uh, we we've been able to really kind of showcase 
some talent that really deserve it. Uh, and that those guys have sort of come back with a vengeance and really sort of been ready to, to step up and sort of prove themselves. And um, it, one of the things that I love about the NWA and one of the reasons why I, I decided to sort of stay put was because the, the atmosphere in the dressing room at, in Atlanta or any, anywhere where we do an NWA show tapings, it's, it's without question the best uh, professional atmosphere I've ever been around. Everybody, almost to a man, is is so just dialed in and and just uh, passionate about this brand and this company and 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 the sort of culture that we've we've cultivated. Uh, and obviously, I take a lot of pride in that because I, you know, I obviously have to play a major part in that. Um, but to see uh, the the response, yeah, it's been great and. There's always there's there's a lot of talent. There's always fresh talent out there. You know, it just um, and <laughs> as much as I am, you know, super proud of of anyone who's sort of come through the company and then been able to to then gain other opportunities somewhere else. Uh, I never understood the sort of despair of oh, you know, but what about this? You know, this person went there and this was there. there is so much talent uh, and. The NWA is such a unique setting for them that that you can take, you know, it's, it's just it, the environment sort of brings out the best in some people. And some people come and it's and it just and they're not a good fit and it is it's not for them. But the ones who are like you just you know you see them in a totally different light. I mean, look at Trevor, you know, like the second he walked out in season one, you just felt everybody just immediately react like whoa. Like this is the right guy for the right. This is the right environment. You know, it's Cinderella with the shoe that finally fits. And it's like, and there's been a lot of guys like that. Pope and, you know, like, like you mentioned, Stevens, Tim Storm, still a cornerstone of the company as a character. And, and, you know, Tom Latimer, Camille. I mean, Chris is like, Chris has showed up and just had like a fantastic, you know, run of momentum right off the bat. And, they're all loving it. And now there's, you know, every new guy that's coming in is just going, wow. I mean, like some of the, uh, Taryn Terrell, yeah. you know, I ran into her, uh, I ran into her after the, the last TV tapings. And she just, she said, I can't believe she's like, this was the, the atmosphere here was so amazing. You know, I just, you know, she's been at TNA and, you know, she was kind of in and out of the business and kind of sort of had left it behind a little bit. And she was just like, God, I'm so glad I decided to come and do this. You know, I, I was, I was, I wasn't sure about it. And I'm so glad because God, this is just, it was so fun and so exciting. And there was so much uh, electricity, you know, in the dressing room, so much energy and you got Austin Idol, you know, guys pushing seventies, like, you know, and it's like, he's got, he's, I mean, he was every minute of the, of the, of those long taping days, he's just watching everything and just like grabbing guys and going, Oh, great promo brother. Like, Oh my God, that was great. You know, like, and just fired up and just, you know, everyone wants the company to succeed and everyone wants each other to succeed. And that's, you know, you, once you have that going, it's like, you want to try to preserve that as much as you can. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Nick Oldish joining the Talk Wrestling podcast. Really fascinating stuff on Mickey James. Can't wait to see where she's next back in a ring. We also spoke to Trevor Murdoch. His, uh, his opponent on the show as well gave us some brilliant stories. If you want to hear those, listen to TalkSport 2 every Monday night. Because, you know, it's a longer show. It's a two-hour show. Well worth your time. But we do finish things off. The main event, Ms. Dynamite herself, Steph Chase. Joining myself, Will Gavin. Joining TalkSports Wrestling's are Alex McCarthy as we review AW's Double or Nothing. Hey, guys. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. I'm a little tired. It was definitely daylight by the time I got to bed. But yeah. I woke up in an extremely good mood after last night's show. Uh, Steph, let's get into Double or Nothing. I think we just work our way through the card because it was pretty strong top to bottom. Maybe a few lulls in the middle, but we will get to those. However, Mm. I thought things started off real hot with Brian Cage and Hangman Page. Yeah, I thought this match was fantastic. It was a really, really hot opener. Of course, this was the first AEW pay-per-view with a big crowd since um, 2019. So it was actually absolutely um, crazy to see how the crowd reacted to people and Hangman Page is one of those guys great guy to get out there first because he had been so hot when we had that crowd and now we got to see that he is still as hot and as beloved by the AEW audience but I thought it was really great match. Um, another really good performance by Brian Cage who I think is a bit of an underrated guy but Hangman uh, was definite star here, absolutely great stuff yeah, I thought Brian Cage, uh, I love the t- tease at the end. So WWE, of course, love a distraction finish. But this one for AEW actually had a little story laden and woven into it, being that Brian Cage seems to be heading to the good side in the near future, breaking away from Team Taz, perhaps. So I like it that that continued. Uh, Hangman Page is just as hot as ever. Another great performance for him and, and his ascension seems to be going according to plan. Like If I had to be ultra critical and, and really... I. I, I wouldn't be because I really enjoyed it. The pace of this match was so like breakneck that there was almost times where you just thought, oh, maybe they could let it breathe, but they never let up. And I guess that was part of the charm of the match as well. So 
you can't really be mad at it. Um, and it was for a 12 minute. It was. It just felt like a sprint, which is crazy, uh, yeah. really. Uh, that's it, isn't it? It's it's kind of an ideal curtain jerker. Unless you're going to do the thing of like throwing a title match right at the top of a show, you don't necessarily want a match that's twenty twenty five minutes long at the top. And so, how do you do a match that's only twelve thirty minutes but packs everything? Is is that entertaining? And, and Steph, like Al says, you just go hell for leather. Yeah, absolutely. I I thought that. Obviously, the, the next match was a really big one, but this was a good one to just really get the crowd set, I think. Well, you just said it there, Steph, and I think that's a good point, considering what was coming next, being the Young Bucks and John Moxley and Eddie Kingston for the tag titles, this actually was the perfect kind of opener, the perfect foil for that. Let's get into that tag title match. I, t- I think I said to you last week, Steph, that my head said the Young Bucks, but my heart wanted... Mm-hmm. Moxley and Kingston, and my bloody head seemed to have won the day. <laughs> I wanted Moxley and Kingston to win this so much, and that's no disrespect to the Young Bucks, who are doing some of their best work right now as heels. But when when Moxley and Kingston came out, firstly, that reaction was incredible, but especially for Eddie Kingston. Um, I said on Twitter, like, this is a guy that that is getting the reaction he got on Twitter when he first appeared in real life and getting to mm. hear that. People love and appreciate him, and it meant a lot, and it was, it was just so cool to see him get that. But this match, I thought, was probably the match of the night. They worked it really, really well. Um, I was wondering what it would be like because of the pace the Young Bucks usually do in their matches, putting them in there with Moxie and Kingston, who are more brawlers. But the Young Bucks are very good at uh, adapting to other people's styles. I think one of the moments I popped most for the whole night was Frankie Kazarian running out there. (laughs) I thought that was uh, absolutely (laughs) awesome. They they didn't do too many kind of shenanigans in this match because you did have that happen. But absolutely fantastic match. It was a little on the long side, but I let them have that because they, the crowd were into it the whole time and this is a match that they really wanted to see and just great, great work. Yeah, the, the hot tag for Eddie, Eddie Kingston, by the way, was a tremendous mm-hmm. roar. It was great to see. And I thought John Moxley's work in the final third of the match in particular, like where he's really up against it with Kingston down and he's making these comebacks and he's firing up. I just thought it was absolutely excellent work. Like, I love the match. I loved it, Will. I so I'm gonna uh, give me a, a second to explain myself when I say this because <laughs> I did I, no no I did love this match I absolutely love this match and I I'm I'm not going anywhere like that with it don't worry I'm not here just to throw out random heat for the sake of it I have been growing a little tired of the young buck shtick over the last six months or so I have found it not quite fitting with what AEW have been trying to do. And for me, falling a little bit into the traps that people suggested they might fall into having wrestlers running the show when they first came into it. They, they were falling a bit for me into Ring of Honor Young Bucks and weren't really established as a, as a long-term storyteller, as, as characters. And all the stuff they were doing, borrowing other moves and doing all the gimmicks, it just felt a little too indie-rific for me at times. Now they have properly established themselves 
as heels. Now they've properly established their characters. I feel so much better about everything they're doing because it just makes more sense. And as much as a lot of the matches have been bangers over the last six months, the other stuff around it has annoyed me and I've almost not been excited to see them when we've been seeing them. Last night, everything came together for me beautifully. And yes, the opponents helped hugely with that. But I'm now excited to see where the Young Bucks go from here. Whereas I've been rolling my eyes a little bit at them in the last few months. I was about to say that. You said it perfectly, I think, um, with the opponents made it for this, right? That's really helped bring the characters out for the Young Bucks and what they're trying to do, having really strong opposites in Moxley and Kingston. Um, I must say, you you, talk, you talked about the spots on it. I thought the shield mocking that led into the Moxley like double German suplex was an amazing kind of 10 seconds in the match. It was really fantastic stuff. Um, I, I do understand your critiques in the Young Bucks because I've kind of, I would say the last month or so has been fine with me, but before that where it was like, are they faces, are they heels? It really felt like they were chopping and changing and I didn't really know what the purpose was. But um, I think now I'm perfectly okay with seeing where the Young Bucks go from here because there are a lot of stories they can still tell, Steph. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm glad that you're on Team Young Bucks now, Will, but I think they are a team that work work better as heels. They're so spectacular to watch, but at the end of the day, they work their best being smarmy, annoying heels that can come out in these absolutely epic outfits uh, and just rub people the wrong way. And it worked particularly well having Don Callis out there with them too. Yeah, super Don. Super Don. I must say, leading into that, right, speaking of Don Callis, this is a great segue from you, Steph, unintentionally, because the casino <laughs> the casino Battle Royale was up next for the AEW, in order to get a shot at Don Callis' best friend, Kenny Omega's AEW World Championship. Now, we're not going to run through the entire order of people that were in the match, um, but suffice it to say, there were some big moments and big performances, and we saw Leo Rush make an appearance, Steph. Yeah, that was a, a nice surprise. He's not a name that I thought of for the Joker and not one that I heard being said much. So a nice little surprise. I do think it's always important not to hype yourself too up too much when there's a Joker in the pack and say Daniel Bryan. But it was a good spot for Leo Rush. He didn't last that long in the match, though. He was very quick, quick in and out. But it'd be interesting to see what more he can do in AEW. It was good what he did, though. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, the, the little, um, you know, for, for want of a better term, hot tag, hot entrance. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was pretty good, though. Um, the, the little burst that he did have. Of course, Jungle Boy ends up being the victor after last eliminating Christian Cage. Now, I had kind of thought this was an easy way to get Christian Cage to Kenny Omega. But in true AEW style, they found a really great way to help a young talent get the best rub he possibly could in the victory with an established legend, which is what I'm going to call Christian Cage. Um, And you don't need this to get Christian to Kenny at some point over the summer either. Jungle Boy and Kenny is intriguing. Um, I thought this is another example, Will, I'll go to you first, in AEW utilising their elder statesmen on the roster with their young rising stars. Yeah, for me, 
Jungle Boy has kind of been a guy that's been on the cusp for a while. And I want to see, we've talked about this a lot with Royal Rumbles. I want to see these events be used to try and push someone, to try and make someone. There's no need to have a big established star win a match like this. And I think he's, you know, I think he's superb. I think he's really good fun. Is he going to beat Kenny Omega? Sorry, spoiler if you don't know what's happening in the, <laughs> in the co-main event later. Um, no, I don't think he is. But that doesn't mean that he can't go in there. And like we've seen with the likes of, of Ray Phoenix and with, I mean, Orange Cassidy last night and with so many others going in with Kenny Omega and looking like a superstar in a loss can absolutely make you look like a star regardless, even if you're not going to go and, and get a surprise title win. So honestly, no problem with it at all. I'd rather it was Jungle Boy. I was a little underwhelmed by Leo Rush, but I've never really been his biggest fan. So I don't know. I just, I was like, oh yeah, I mean, it's nice because I didn't know it was coming, but I didn't pop for it or anything. Uh, I just thought overall it was quite a well laid out match and, and the right sort of winner. So yeah, fine with all of it to be honest yeah did, did what it was designed to do i would say steph were you happy with the winner oh i was so happy with the winner i have to almost apologize to christian cage because i was quite nervous when he came in of oh no we're gonna get this massive christian main event run and every time he's you know stepped back and and given it to a younger guy the moment at the end was was wonderful christian giving him that endorsement and mm. jungle boy they've they've been so slow with Jungle Boy in building him up and he's just at the perfect place now of no he's not in the top tier he's not in the main event scene he is the guy that you're going to really see the development and the rise slowly so one day when he is AEW world champion you can say I was there for the whole of Jungle Boy's rise and it's going to be really wonderful now look I thought Anthony Agogo Sean in a lovely way and looked good in this match. And I know that maybe it was the fact that the crowd was in for the first time and they hadn't really necessarily bought into it, or I don't know what it was, but this was kind of a good showing, but not, it just, it sucked a little bit of a pace out of the event a bit for me. And I don't want to say that about Anthony Gogo because I like him a lot, but I, maybe it was misplaced. Um, I'm not sure if it was misplaced. I think it was the feud itself was just not executed in the right way. I don't think they were telling the right story. I think they were telling a story that Cody wanted to tell that would have been better suited for someone else other than an Olympic boxer. Uh, but I think Gogo had a really, really good showing. And if this match had happened at all out I would have been okay with the result maybe but given he's had so few matches in AEW and the matches that he's had the three matches it's been these quick knockout victories for him now at this stage to take that loss and suddenly like turn into a wrestler I just felt was odd and kind of the wrong move and I now wonder where you go with him I thought it was all wrong. Um, I want to read out this tweet, <laughs> which made me laugh greatly when I opened up Twitter this morning. Glad Cody Rhodes brought racial unity to America by beating the visually impaired mixed race immigrant Olympic hero. <laughs> 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 like, I mean, it's again, like I thought the match in and of itself 
was pretty good. I thought Anthony Agogo did great, right? For like his first time out on a big stage, he showed out about as well as anyone. His 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 his, his, his uh, punches looked really great. Uh, I thought the Olympic slam he nailed was fantastic as well. Like he he looked about as good as you could hope, and he looked like he showed some real promise. But the story behind this match is really what's left everyone kind of confused about what the actual goal was. And I know it's not over and they're going to meet in a tag match on Dynamite next week. And, you know, there's a long road for a go-go. I know you can get over by association in these opening matches, um, you know, just getting the rub from who you're in there with. But this was more about the American dream, Cody Rhodes, right? It was more about Cody, really, when I think everyone had kind of conditioned themselves to think, it was going to be about Anthony Agogo and his big debut and, and him being the next big project for the company. So there was just kind of a disconnect between what the goal was and the story and the execution. People are like, Cody is probably as stale as he has been in AEW thus far. I think that's fair to say as well. Like 18 months ago, I mean, two years, probably the hottest baby face in the business. Where is he now? He's kind of languishing, man. Like A lot of people want him to turn. They thought Agogo should have won. You know what I'm saying, Will? There's a, I don't think anything was really done correctly on this one. Maybe I need to turn my ire from the Young Bucks into the direction of Cody Rhodes because whilst they've now figured it out, he appears to be the one who maybe, maybe has gone a little bit too far in the direction we were worried they could go in. And my other problem with it, and I, and I mean this with all the love and respect and everything to two of my favourite wrestlers in the world right now, but I felt like it also took a little bit out of the Miro Archer match because the crowd were just not as hot for what proved yeah. to be kind of like the opening match, absolute hell to leather action. And if the crowd, you know, if it been the crowd coming off the Young Bucks match and then gone into this Miro Lance Archer match, it could have elevated it. Instead, it never got out of kind of second or third gear for me, Steph. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely, I agree. I think that when it comes to the problem of Cody, He's a kind of a victim of his own past successes right now. He has been able to put on so many amazing matches where he has brought out such emotion from the fans, whether it be him against Dustin or even his match with MJF. And I think that he's suffering from what I sometimes complain about in NXT when you look at someone like a Gargano, the way the matches are booked. Not everything is epic. So Cody was telling trying to tell a epic story like that would make people feel emotion, patriotism, but him as a father, all, all this kind of stuff. When it's like, man, this, you're facing a boxer here. This is not the time for that. And I think people would have just been more engaged if you'd done it more straight up. How is Cody going to be the boxer plus Cody's whole feud with QT? Steph, they introduced him, right? <laughs> as Cody was coming to the ring, they actually said, <laughs> father to be... <laughs> Which is unbelievable in a wrestling sense, but nevertheless, the, that clearly was the story they were going for there. Will uh, alluded to it, Miro and Lance Archer being next up. Uh, Miro would obviously retain the AEW TNT Championship. Uh, it was the shortest match of the night, uh, just a shade under 10 minutes, but for a hoss fight, I guess that's to be expected. Both men went for it, but as Will noted, was the crowd really with them? Was this the big first defence for Miro? I mean, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't maybe as celebrated like it should have been. No, it was, it kind of just fell flat. It was a match that was very much 
just there, maybe a bit of a break match for some people, uh, which is unfortunate because Miro, we've been waiting so long for him to break out, and he has, but then his first match as champion wasn't really what you would have hoped for. I think maybe it would have been more like that with a different opponent, and that's nothing against Lance Archer, who's amazing, but because it was two big guys, I think Miro might have worked in a different setting a bit better, but I honestly spent the whole match just looking at Lance Archer and thinking, this guy is great, and I can't believe he never got a big WWE spot when he was younger because he has he has everything. He's just kind of at the later stage of his career now, like dealing with some injuries and stuff, but he still manages to put on a great performance. I couldn't agree more when it comes to Lance Archer, and, and particularly everyone wants to see him kind of enjoy the fruits of his labour in AEW because... He was in this picture just a year ago with Cody Rhodes, right, for the TNT title, and he hasn't got there yet. The alliance with Jake the Snake as well. I mean, by the way, how far Miro chucked the... I say say this with inverted commas, the snake was ludicrous. They, they they made, like, this is what I did love about it, is they made Miro look like a genuine psycho. And yeah. that's what I want from the character, and I'm fine with that, and that's great. And if there's going to be a way that you're going to beat a man, like, you know, a guy who's been built up to be a giant and a bit of a monster himself in Archer, that's great. I, I'm all for all of that. That was hilarious. The whole snake throwing was bizarre <laughs> and hilarious. and uh, But kind of in that way that we all love. I was thoroughly sports entertained by it. I'll definitely mm-hmm. say that. And then we get it. We know we all said, you know, last week we all said it's going to come. We all said this was going to be. They could not pull the trigger, but they pulled it beautifully. And Britt Baker is finally the AEW Women's Champion. She finally ascends to that level. And I think it was done just... It was just everything I kind of wanted it to be. And the, f- the fact that it took them a bit longer than they probably should have done to pull the trigger meant that the payoff just felt a little bit better in the end anyway. Yeah. And Sheeda was great, by the way. Sheeda oh, played her 100%. role as well. 100%. She really did. Very good match. And obviously the afterward stuff as well with uh, Tony Schiavone, like the, the hug and yeah, it was just, it was just awesome, man. Like to see Britt Baker arrive there, the raw when she won Steph, um, you know, like, like we said, you have to go with a hot hand. And is there anybody really hotter in AEW, nay on wrestling, than Britt Baker? Oh, absolutely not. Like, this was the moment that we've all been waiting for. And I'm so glad they held off on it till we had the fans. I thought the match was a really, really great, exciting match, considering the outcome was so obvious. I think some of the near falls, towards the end really got me where I thought, are they actually not going to do it? Is this going to be a really terrible attempt at a swerve? But no, it worked out perfectly. I loved her hugging Tony so much. That was so real and beautiful and still, I think, fits her character. I see her as as someone who, she's a heel, but I have this storyline in my head that she grew up watching Tony Schiavone and the way she treats him is her version of being nice. (laughs) So I just loved it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was all great stuff. I- I'm really delighted to see Britt there. Uh, there are lots of possibilities. She is, like we say, one of the hottest acts in AEW right now. So, I mean, the only thing here, I guess, is apart from Serena Deeb with the NWA women's title on the pre-show, it's the only women's match on a ten-match, sorry, a nine-match main card, which, you know, is probably indicative, but hopefully they can build stuff up for Britt Baker. But next, going from a legend to another... Sting was out of his mind, Steph. Uh, you know, that opening 10 minutes, 
He's jumping off stuff. He's getting suplexed on platforms. Man, he showed that he was ready to wrestle, right? Yeah, you have no idea how happy this made me. Like, I, I love Sting so much. I've loved him for such a long time. Nothing upset me more than his WWE run. And he, he he had the cinematic match back in February. I thought it was a great, it was a nice little goth movie. But this was showing that Sting still has it. Even the taking off the shirt, everything. Like, this showed Sting still the icon. Absolutely amazing. I, I think this is the best veteran comeback match I have ever seen it blows anything Goldberg ever did out of the water sure oh god don't, <laughs> don't he doesn't even deserve to be in the same conversation Steph come on now um, don't put Goldberg in that space my word Will did you think you know we were saying earlier about like um, the young talent getting a good rub being in the ring with Sting I would imagine there are some people out there that are a bit like Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page got the spot for Sting's in ring but do you think it worked for them, being in there with him? Yeah, I mean, the only thing that didn't really necessarily work for me is I saw a mixed reaction to this, and I think we all knew that Sky and Paige were going to lose. But I, I love both guys, and I actually think it's the second time in recent months we've seen you know, uh, Sting in that legend spot with Darby Allen going over a, what could be an exciting young team. And yeah, I, there's a little part of me that doesn't want to see Scorpio Sky, who I think is a future champion, and doesn't want to see the ego Ethan Page, who I love, go like having to lose on their first time out together in a pay-per-view. So what I'd like to see is off the back of this, then if they are kept separate doing something, you know, get, getting opportunities or if they're kept together, maybe getting a chance to rebuild themselves and getting booked strong off the back of this. At the same time, I completely understand Like they want to make Derby a star and Sting did look amazing. I was thinking about it and I was thinking about this when I've heard people say it about people like, uh, like Tay Conti's had this a lot recently, like people who were misbooked in WWE or in NXT or wherever it might be and everyone immediately wants to go like, you know, oh, well, that's, you know, WWE's fault. How did they mess it up so badly when clearly look at what they've done in, in AEW or in, in, you know, wherever else they've, they've ended Impact. up. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, Impact or New Japan or wherever it is they've ended up. How has WWE managed to mess that up entirely? And I do think that sometimes we put all of the onus on the, the, the production and on the promotion to do all of that work. And, you know, I look at Sting and I look at him from a health perspective. Nothing during his time in WWE, even when it came to walking down to the ring and getting in there with someone like Seth or someone like that, nothing suggested that he could have done what he did in the opening stretches last night. And I wonder whether there's also an element of him being more engaged. And that might be the promotion, that might be him, but just maybe we're a little quick to point at the finger at the promotion when it's the wrestler could have worked a bit harder where they were before. Just maybe. Yeah, it's I a combination, that, I guess. I would say that Sting would maybe have looked better in WWE if he had been told he was beating Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> I think like, that's the biggest mistake that they made with him. Um, if, if I was staying and I, and I got booked in that match and they said, oh, yeah, you're losing, I'd probably go, go right, well, I'm not going to the gym for the next three weeks but anyway. This doesn't matter. <laughs> Can I just right. say, I'm a big fan of Will Gavin saying, you've got to get your heat back, brother. He's <laughs> 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 Scorpio Sky. Yeah, got to I mean, get basically. that heat. Yeah, I mean, basically, exactly. They've got to get that heat back, brother. Steph, let's get into the kind of co-main events 
from last night, starting off with the triple threat for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship match. Kenny Omega, Orange Cassidy, and Pac. And it says something about the booking and the quality of this wrestling that just for the briefest moment, Steph, just for the briefest moment, I thought they could pull the trigger on an Orange Cassidy win. Me too, me too, especially with that crowd so behind him. There were minutes in there where I thought, are they really going to do it? Um, I thought that they worked this as a triple threat match really well, um, kind of using some tropes of, you know, will the, will someone steal a pinfall from someone else, teasing that. Uh, they did do a ref bump, but that led to the Omega, the great, hitting pack with every single belt (laughs) (laughs) I I loved it so much calling for the impact belt, calling for the triple A mega title like just oh it was beautiful but it was a great match and my only criticism and this might just be a me thing because I was very eager for the next match a little long I would have shaved a couple minutes off it but great match yeah they went 27 minutes here in a triple threat but again uh, considering I came into this match knowing Kenny Omega was going to retain, just because the whole belt collecting story, I don't see Cassidy or Pac being the people to kind of break that. I still thought they did a magnificent job of getting me invested the whole way, right? Like, I was so into all of the near falls and the way that they constructed that match. I thought it was really brilliantly done. Um, I know Don Callis being used on the home stretch. You know, you can say what you like about that, but I didn't mind it. And I thought it was very... The way Kenny suddenly won actually was quite a good impact on the match as well, rather than the typical um, roll out the other guy who's just hit their finish and I'm going to get the pin. Or, you know, that's like the triple threat finish we've seen a million times at this point. So, uh, for me, it's one of the best triple threats I've seen in recent memory. And that that includes the WrestleMania main event of, of Brian Edge and Reigns. I'd put it in the same discussion although different i'm not saying one's better or anything like that but i do think in terms of what they had up against them in who was going to win and taking the element of surprise out man they got the crowd hooked and i was just the same at home yeah i I think i i elevate the wrestlemania one slightly above it because it had the genuine drama of me believing that they might do the title change whereas this only kind of maybe slightly convinced me in odd moments and actually i did think the crucifix and the kind of false three count and Aubrey calling it that was a bit weird I wasn't quite sure about it I like that it was different I like that it wasn't the same standard ending to a, any normal match or a triple threat that we normally get but man it was hot enough and it was all three men worked their asses off orange was brilliant pack was brilliant uh, they played off the no DQ stuff really nicely like there, there was the the the, uh, the avalanche Falcon Arrow was insane. Wow. The, uh, the Black Arrow was insane. Like All of that stuff worked really beautifully. So there was enough to love here. Uh, it just, you know... It, it, and I, I guess the only way you elevate to five stars is if you, you actually, you know, you actually did a title change. So, well, yeah. Oh, there was like, yeah, a genius finish. But I think, I think this was good, though. I do think it was good, considering we all knew what the outcome would be. But what we didn't know the outcome would be, Will, is the Stadium Stampede match. Now, I had thought maybe the Pinnacle were going to put the Inner Circle away in the main event, and that was going to be the end of that. Steph Chase vehemently told me no all week long um, in the build-up Thank to you, this Steph, match. Thank you, Steph, by the way, because I said the same last week, and I'm glad that you had my back. There you go. There you go. Inner Circle family. Thinking when they thought <laughs> that the Pinnacle were winning. 
Yes, Steph had just brought a shirt, so she was like, no, please. Um, But I will say this. um, I thought it was very good. I thought maybe last year's was better, but I wonder if that's because it was the first, if you know what I mean. Um, You know, that's kind of luster. I do think it was very hard to follow, but considering that they did attack it from a different perspective and there was, you know, like the Jericho... MJF pair off. I thought Sammy Guevara was doing some insane things. I, um, the match itself really did what it had to do, and I was surprised by the Sammy Guevara picking up the dub. I really was, I, but I liked I, it. I want to. I want to give Steph her true time to breathe on this, and if she wants to go, mm. you know, two solid minutes. So, so the, the one thing I'll say about it is I'm with you that I thought it wasn't as good as last year's, and my reasoning was it felt a little bit disconnected. It felt like there were five different matches going on at once instead of a kind of multi-man match going on. And that was the bit that it, it didn't quite all come together for me, but I like the finish. I like the result. I'm all here for it. And I think if anyone likes the result in this call, it's Steph Chase. <laughs> I was so, so happy, but I have to say, I actually liked this better than last year's. And I yeah. love last year's. I'm, this may be a hot take, but I did spend a lot of this week dissecting last year's. And the thing I'll say about it is, in memory, it was incredible. When you watch it back more, it it actually takes a long time to get to any of the exciting spots. And this one, I thought what they did so well was immediately pairing everybody off. And that, to me, just gave you like these great little scenes. Like I called it a scene on, on Twitter and someone told me wrestling shouldn't be scenes, but it should be in this kind of match because each and every scene was different. You had Jericho and MJF doing this a brawl that went through the backstage part of uh, the arena. And then Sean Spears <laughs> and Sammy Guevara. This was like something from a musical almost with the lights. <laughs> I was like, is this West Side Story? But instead of dancing, there was some amazing uh, hardcore wrestling going on. Then you had Hager and Wardlow, like your two big superhero big guys coming together um having such a just trying to destroy each other with everything possible even an ice pick coming out there uh, and then the ftr and santana and ortiz and tully having their little fight in the nightclub part which was so cool and which, so the great- by, by, by the way steph have you ever been in a nightclub in your life that's played that music because that doesn't sound like music <laughs> i've ever heard in a club in my life because it was so much like a film scene when, because there's such a contrast between FTR and Santana and Ortiz uh, physically, like the way they look, what you would imagine their interests to be. You have FTR in their denim with Tully and their handkerchiefs and then Santana and Ortiz looking like such you know, bad boys. So they walked into this club like, what, what the heck is this? And then you see Conan on the decks, their friend. Um, but I, the only little criticism I'll give it is I thought it took a little bit long to get in front of the fans. I thought that it would be one scene each, and then we went back to Jericho and MJF again, so that surprised me. But once they got out into the arena, um, absolutely awesome to see Jericho brawling through the crowd with MJF, but it really warmed my heart and made me feel so good to see Sammy 
get that spot at the end. Sammy get the victory. That is such good booking and it is properly putting the young guy over because Sammy has taken many a hit uh, in this promotion with the falls that he's have had to take, but he's always been great. So, so impressive. The fans absolutely love him. He got his moment. Then the whole inner circle got their moment, especially Jericho having the whole crowd sing Judas at the end. It was wonderful. Feel good. I loved it. My t-shirt's still relevant. Thank you again to Steph Chase, to Nick Aldis, to Frankie Monet for all joining the Talk Wrestling podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure you're subscribed. If you've not given us a rating or review, whether it's your first time, your tenth time, whatever, then do give us one because it does help more people find the show, whether on Spotify, on Google Play, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to the show. Uh, back every Monday night on TalkSport 2 and every week on your Fight Night feed from TalkSport, you're listening to the Talk Wrestling podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.